0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Let's Huddle with Ed Cunningham, a show at the intersection of sports, sports media, and Hollywood. I'm the show's producer and host, Ed. Today we speak with Spike O'Neill. Spike was a member of the number one rock radio show in Seattle during Grunge. Pretty good time to have that role. And he also gave me my first job in radio. We get into that and more, including a little bit of explicit language. Not too bad as a warning, but this is Right Place, Right People with Spike O'Neill. Enjoy. So as I've gotten back on this horse of preparing to interview people, because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of my first batch of episodes for the show are going to be friends, people I've worked with, people who've inspired me and, and you know, set me on my path. Uh, in many ways, um, I'm, I'm landing on some themes with certain people. So okay. I sort of went back through our history, and uh, the theme I came to is what are you going to do when it all comes together? Right place, right time. Okay. What are you going to do? So jump, jump. <laughs> so I grew up in Northern Virginia, Alexandria, Baltimore Orioles fans, been in the Inner Harbor. We used to go to Ocean City, Maryland when I was growing up. Uh, that's That was our beach. Um, and so I grew up sort of mid-Atlantic region of, of uh, the United States. End up, you know, sort of long story, a couple of things happen. I end up in Seattle where I am miserable from 1987 till, you know, 1989. Just a whole different world. I stepped into... Very conservative where I grew up. Uh, Seattle's very progressive, very alternative. Uh, grunge is going on when I showed up and I didn't like it. I was a Smithson REM fan <laughs> in the middle okay. of grunge. Yeah. And I was a music fan, so I was seeing great shows. Uh, but, I, you know, I wasn't didn't get the old Nirvana thing, and those shows were hard to get into and sort of sweaty and not that much fun. So I went to the Moore and the Paramount, saw a bunch of great shows, uh but you and i have talked about this you're sort of 88 89 i was gone i was packed up i was ready to leave seattle quit husky football and uh go back east and play somewhere else uh closer to my my home in northern virginia but i didn't do that for a lot of reasons one of which was we had really good team uh, sort of teammates i had a good group around me of friends and socially so i stuck it out and uh, we get to 30 years ago, probably this week or next week, Spike, where I'm playing for the Huskies. We're number one or number two in the preseason college football polls. I had met a guy named Spike on sports from KISW a couple times and interviewed with him and knew he was from Maryland and sort of we had probably crossed paths in Ocean City, Maryland at some point. Yeah. But the sports information director of the Husky says, Hey, this guy, Spike, wants to meet with you because he wants to do a weekly show and thinks you'd be a good candidate for that show.
1: Is that pretty accurate around now? The way I kind of look back on those years and that moment in my young career and my too late starting life, I, like you, grew up in the mid-Atlantic. I grew up uh, in Baltimore City, not in the suburbs of uh, Alexandria where you're from. So uh, I was in the... More dirtier blue-collar section of that mid-Atlantic region, but I also hung out at the Baltimore Inner Harbor. That was where the tourists took, just you know, that's oh, yeah. Uh, well,
0: I was a tourist in Baltimore. I was only 45 oh, yeah. minutes away, but it was a whole different world, different world. Up. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and I spent my summers at Ocean City, Maryland, like you did. That was what's home for me. That's where my heart was. And I met uh, Bob Rivers, uh, East Coast jock from the New England area, who did a quick two-year stint in Baltimore. And I met him at the end of his run there. And he brought me to Seattle. So I also had moved to a place completely different than the world I grew up mm-hmm. in. You know, Baltimore is is blue collar as blue collar gets. Right. And I come out here to the land of the purple hair and flannels. And I, I, hey
0: Spike, I have to say, so I used to, I had dimes in my penny loafers at one point in high school. Like that yeah, who was didn't? the look. Right. You so I got on the plane. I flew into Denver and then got on the plane to Seattle and I'd never smelled patchouli oil in my life uh, okay and i got on the plane to seattle before my freshman year and that's when i was i'd been there a few times i'd done a track meet there that's how i learned about the u and then got recruited and but when i was moving there august of you know of 87 it would have been uh sort of height of grunge and all of that i got on the plane and i was like what is that smell where am i going and it just yeah. looked and the vibe was so much different <laughs> than where i was coming from it really was a. A really cut for me from wow, East Coast conservative <laughs> into yeah. just a whole different realm. It was a whole different realm for me.
1: Well, for well, I had I had smelled patchouli because I'd seen a couple of Grateful Dead shows on the East Coast, from from Philly to Charlotte, Virginia, you know, and and all points in between. Yeah, but uh, I, and I was raised a Springsteen freak. You know, I'm a East Coast as East Coast, gets. right,
0: right. And I moved which here, is and not, which is not, which is not. Pearl Jam and Nirvana. Yeah, you no, and I yeah. had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. people. St-
1: people still don't. People still think Springsteen is overrated on the West Coast. Still to this day in Seattle. They don't. You know, if you want to, if you want to find Bruce fans, you either got to go to Portland or Vancouver. It's so weird that Seattle never got it. But but that's neither here nor there. I'm in my first year in in radio. Literally, I, I moved to Seattle in, in the summer of '89 to try something brand new to my life. I you met John. Never in
0: been. You had never been on the air.
1: I met Bob in the spring of '89. We immediately hit it off. Bob became the morning disc jockey at my hometown station, 98 Rock in Baltimore. Bob had a great two-year run. I mean, he he took him from like worst to first in two years. And I start tending bar at a place down in Fells Point, which is the 300-year-old waterfront neighborhood of Baltimore, where all the bars were kept. That's where all the sailors drank back when wooden ships ruled the day in Baltimore. <laughs> um, so I'm tending bar down at Fells Point, a place called The Horse You Came In On. And this guy moves into an apartment above the bar. And Sean Donahue, and he's the, the brand new partner of Bob Rivers at 98 Rock. Bob had gone through a few different partner attempts in his run in Baltimore, and they finally hooked him up with the overnight guy, Sean, and they hit it off like gangbusters. And I met Sean at the bar and became friends with him. And he said to me one day, you should tr- you should come in and be an intern for our radio show because you'd be good because you got a real quick wit and you're funny and you, you, you'd be perfect for this. So I went in and met Bob. And I became an intern for Bob Rivers. And two weeks later, he's like, we're leaving town. Will you come with us? Mm. And we don't know where we're even going yet. We're looking at jobs in Boston, Minneapolis, San Francisco. Two weeks. Seattle, Two weeks into it. That's great. I, and I said, you know what? It's never been a time like, the, let's go. Let's do it. And I moved from Baltimore to Seattle with two weeks experience in radio and no training.
0: No How much had you been there. on the air at that point? Because you came in as an intern. Were you doing on air stuff and stories? And I did. All I that? did a
1: couple. I did a couple voices. On a couple different, uh different fake phone calls. Bob used to do these wake-up calls where he'd call people and jerk them around for a while. In, in those days, before they put the walls up on people, before they start putting rules in place, you could do anything, really. You could yeah. do it with murder. So I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing a couple little bits on air for Bob, little funny voices. This is in
0: Baltimore voices. before you had Mrs. this. is in yeah.
1: Baltimore, yeah. And Bob's making Twisted Tunes. Again, and I didn't think much of Twisted Tunes. And this was a moment where Lucille Ball was, was dying, okay? Um, she was in the hospital. And somebody called the station and goes, you should do a song about Lucy Ball, man. Lucy Ball is dying. So while in the middle of a morning show, while Bob and Sean are doing their show, and I'm sitting off in the corner, I wrote a song parody to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds called Lucy's in the Hospital Dying to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And I handed it to Bob. And he's like, where'd you get this? I'm like, I just wrote this. And he's like, you just wrote this? And I had written the entire song. And he said, that's funny. That's funny. That's head. He goes, okay, go to the studio outside the county, bought in Sheffield Studios. Take the CD, take this, that's the tracks we're going to make. Tell the guy what we're doing. I'll be out there at 10 o'clock when the show's over. We got to get started today because Lucy's in the hospital dying. So we get, mm. out to the studio, get out to the studio and the guy says, this is funny. It's too long, but it's funny. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, Twisted Tunes are about two minutes, minute and a half long. He wrote like, you know, four and a half minutes of lyrics. So I took it and I cut it down and took the weak parts out and moved the strong parts around and edited the song. Bob gets there at 10 o'clock and says, who, who edited this? I said, I did. The guy told me it was too long. So I made it shorter. Like you edited your own stuff. Nobody. He goes, okay. And and, and had said. you studied music? I know you're Not in a. God, you know, no. You've been a no. singer for a long time, but well, I was a I was a car salesman and a bartender in Baltimore, and I found out that if I got up and sang with the band in Fell's Point at the horse you came in on, I could get laid more. Mm. So that's what that was my experience singing. Or, or playing or doing any kind of music. When Bob saw that I had written this thing in one day and edited it myself, he's like, we're leaving town, will you come with us? And they brought me here because I could do different voices. I could sing a little bit and I could write. And I was cheap. I'd never worked a day in radio. I was like, a, I, they hired me for minimum wage. Yeah. But I packed up packed up my gear and brought everything I owned to the East West Coast and moved to Seattle in the spring of 89, summer 89. And
0: 80. when we met, you had developed the spike on sports sort of persona. And, and just for the right. record, I, I know you as Jamie. Yeah, uh, Jamie O'Neill, uh, yep. because obviously we've been friends and, and family, near family at times in our lives. Uh, but
1: Spike on Sports sort of comes in. Bob said you need to get experience. So why don't you start doing sports every day?
0: Yeah, just so and you know as as how to said, read so that, something, that, how, to, right. how to write that, that, something. That'll get
1: you, that'll get you hmm. repetition and get you, get you at, comfortable on air. You can do the sports report. And I said, well, you're telling me I can get press passes to the Seahawks and the Mariners and the Sonics. And Husky football, I can go sit in the press box. Well, to me, I'm going to get paid to watch sports. This is the American dream. I start doing sports reports and going and doing interviews. And I'm like, you know, meeting Joe Montana and I'm meeting... Ken Griffey Jr. And I'm meeting Steve Largent. Yeah, and- I think we
0: have to put in context here, Spike. That's where, you know, right place, right time. You yes, and I were in exactly. that in that mix. Seattle was on many fronts, the center of the sort of North American and then growing global community as far as technology. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially with cell phones. Yep. Well, and also yep. with just cell phone technology. So either yep. one comes McCall. right out of yep. Seattle. Yep. That's yep. right. And then, you know, obviously into Amazon and beyond, but also um, that was the grunge era. So, you know, every band in the world was coming through Seattle, grunge or not, you had to sort right. of come through that that world, those gates. And then right. in the sports world, the husky football has a, you know best run in three or four years, late eighties, early nineties. Uh well, it's because you yeah. got there. And after you left, it went to crack <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, I mean you got you had a great team, but you guys, you guys were you guys were I'd never seen anything like that. I went to Maryland. yeah, it was
0: it was pretty crazy. You know? we were, yeah, we were pretty good. But nothing. but but look for the Mariners. Ken Griffey Jr. is a once in right. a lifetime player, man. E- exactly. And, and, and exactly. the fact that they were able to put a team together, the Mariners, that kept on and held on to people like Randy Johnson and Ken Griffey Jr. was
1: a testament. to And
0: A Rod was here then, and Peter that's was right. Here then,
1: and Edgar Martinez was and here the, then. And, and, and the
0: Sonics was- are in the Western Conference Finals. With Ken and and Gary Payton. These are just unbelievably good times to be in Seattle. And there you and I are from Alexandria and from Baltimore City, Maryland.
1: (laughs) So then we're getting to how you and I met. You know, Jim Daves was the sports information director. And he was the guy that, you know, when I got to UW and got my press credentials, he thought I was just, you know, it was, it was, I was unique and I was funny because. I, I here I am in Miss grunge. I got long hair. I'm wearing flannel. I got long johns and shorts and Doc Martens up in the press box.
0: You stayed KISW rock yeah. grunge. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. All
1: this we, stuff. We, we we were the rock station in the middle of Pearl Jam's, Nirvana, Alice in Chains. No, and yeah, Martin, number R-Buddy. one, like yeah, you yeah. You guys we were cake, we yeah. we own the city. We had a great, great, great run at KISW. And Jim says I got a guy who's really. I think he's great. He's sharp. He's well-spoken. Huh.
0: I think, I think. He, I know Jim. Look, Jim and I work together. He's a, I think he's still at University of Virginia where I'm from. That's that. We had sort of shared the story about it. I, didn't, I thought you pitched it to him, but it's sort of, it's nice to hear that he
1: pitched it to you. That's great. We were doing this thing with the, with the Seahawks. We did a thing called Hawk and Roll, but you guys were on a run. I mean, you guys oh, yeah. were on a run. As We used do something called Rock and Roses because you guys were in the, in the middle of going three straight Rose hmm. Bowls with your your years. You know, and I'm like, okay. And he said, I got the guy. I got the guy for you. And he, he introduced me to you. Hmm. And as I remember this, and I may have, I I didn't know that. I thought it was the
0: other way. I thought you had pitched it to to Jim. That's great. No,
1: I I said to Jim, we want to do a rock and roses feature. We want to take advantage of the Huskies. And he's, I got your guy. (laughs) I got the guy for you. And as I remember our time doing the rock and roses thing on KISW, I'm used to interviewing and, and I don't mean any disrespect to the guys I got to speak with at the Seahawks during those years of, of Hawk and roll. It was like Paul Scancy, who was a great receiver. UW Husky went on to become yep. a great Seahawk receiver. Dave Wyman, who was the um, Stanford football keep, you know, linebacker for the Seahawks. But I mean, I used to refer to these guys as the Wizard of Uz because <laughs> every conversation was uh, uh 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 you know. Then I got Rick Meyer, who came out of Notre Dame and was a great a great rookie, but then got, became a bust because he just got annihilated. And he went from having setting rookie offensive records to setting uh, sack records. The beauty of this was we started doing this little feature with you. And here I am interviewing these. I mean, and you know how most classic athletes give the classic athlete interview. Oh
0: yeah, it's awesome. I love it.
1: You know, it is. It is. Although it's so much more. Here's
0: what I'll say. It's it's much rarer now than it was back then because the right. most players and they have some sort of training, the, the sports information director, people have done a fantastic job at the college level of sort of prepping people, but also, you know, with social media and influencers, yeah, yeah. people yes. are learning, but anyway, it, there was a time where it was a little more, um, well, straight that, out of central did, casting job. That thing they,
1: was, thing they did in Bull Durham was right. You know, when, 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 uh, when, uh, Crash Davis taught Nuke Lelouch how to do an interview. Oh, that's right. You know, got, 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 I'm hoping to do something to help the team win, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, You're your basic. But then I met you and you were just, you were well-spoken. You, were, you could speak about any topic and you, were, and you were genuine. You weren't trying to sound smarter or you weren't trying to sound cool or trying to sound hip to the rock station. You were just being you. And it was so refreshing. And, and you and I coming from the same part of the, of the world the Mid-Atlantic Eastern Seaboard, we, we connected and we, we, we could, you know, we could do this. Yeah, right it was great. Day, from from was day fun. one.
0: Yeah, it was fun.
1: You know, and then, and then to watch you go on after your football career, I, I, and I, I brag on you all the time because, you know, as I, as I tell it, and I hope I get it right. You could have played a lot longer than you did, but you yeah, saw yeah, the yeah. wisdom of say, of having a body that you could still use the second half of your life.
0: Well, thank you. And thank you for starting my career. I mean, you know, I, when I would come in with you and Bob and Downtown Joe, and you know, you had a whole cast in there. I had know, I grew up listening to first Howard Stern at DC 101. Mm-hmm. In DC. Then I listened to the Grease Man the Gre- Nino Greasmanelli. Grease man. Of course. And, and the then I man. got you guys. Well, I mean, I don't know if I heard you in that two weeks, but I I had heard Bob on 98. Yeah.
1: Isn't it was 98 Rock? Was 98 that right? Rock and Baltimore? Yeah, you were That's already right. in Seattle by the time he met me. So he didn't, I was never on 98 when you were back in. Tampa. Yeah, but I think
0: I may have heard him, but I, I definitely okay. knew the station. So when I got to Seattle, you guys were my morning station. When I drove to campus or whatever, I was listening to you guys. Right. Yeah. That's what I did sort of growing Thank up, you. you know, and when you listen to those shows and, you, and you're and you just a fan and a kid and, and I was starting to write and I was starting to do short story stuff. I, you know, I had a, a public speaking class at UW that was amazing. Just a great, great professor. And we just put speeches on their feet and you had to make arguments and, you know, and it was a sort of small class. You got a lot of reps. So I had a little bit of training, but when I came in the first time, um, to sit in with you guys with twisted radio, uh, I couldn't believe the circus it was and how much effort and work <laughs> you all had put in to be on the air for sometimes four, four and a half hours a day, Yeah, you know, and it was just, I loved it because I'd already sort of started writing some stuff and, and getting into that world, but that was, you know, fall of 91. And then the first thing I did was I produced a video about our national championship year. So I was professionally producing, in 92 and then started in radio in 93 when i got to the nfl i hosted my first show so it was fastish for me yeah because you guys had me in so many times i think i did a whole morning with you before we left for the rose bowl i I did four hours i think i was there at 5 a.m for the meeting and i'm like yeah
1: whoa but we
0: used to do you know, so much we used to, work, but it's fun. We used to do seven it's seven
1: minutes with us. We used to do seven minutes with a jock, but you were like, let's keep you. Don't send him home. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And yeah, for so I, and Bob I gotta, Rivers, I'm going to be honest for us. It was having somebody else, some other set of bones to pick on. Because You know, <laughs> we, there was there, like you said, there was so much content generation required. When We had somebody who came in with a fresh perspective and a well-spoken point of view. Give him the microphone.
0: Yeah, Let that I well,
1: carry the ball for a while.
0: So, so thank you. And, and, and just a um, wonderful start. And, and really you guys were such pros. I want to dive in on twisted tunes a little bit because you guys okay. ended up doing a bunch of Christmas things after that. Right. And Bob had this sort of lair, didn't he? Didn't Bob build one of the best recording studios oh, maybe in, in the world, but definitely in yeah. Seattle, like in his barn oh, yeah.
1: or something. The garage of his house. It was then we called it Bob's Garage. You know, Bob. Bob. When I met Bob, he had already made one album for Atlantic Records. Um, and it was a Twisted Tunes. Twi- twisted Christmas. Yeah, he had done yeah. a Twisted Christmas album. The Twelve Pains of Christmas. I think was the first one he did that, that got like radio play. Yeah. Um, and we were making these songs that we were that Bob would use as show content. But then when I when I and when I met him, he figured out that I could write and do parodies. Um and you know I hated them until I started they started paying the mortgage then I loved <laughs> that stuff and and I was yeah, you,
0: you as, all did quite well in publishing rights and, yeah. and broadcast rights uh, with some we, of that we ended
1: stuff. up making we ended up making seven different albums for like Atlantic Records all Christmas stuff that was our that was our niche but we would also make uh, song parodies that we would syndicate nationally to other morning shows
0: mm. so we
1: were making like five songs a month wow. so you you just you had to keep writing you had to look at every piece of every news story every oh, public yeah. event yeah cuz every to, line to has to
0: reference this. something in pop cult like you have to every yeah, line yeah. has to have like four or five well, connections to be good you yeah.
1: know and there and there's 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 you know sometimes a song so great you got to parody it sometimes an event so big you got to write about it you know and you, and you, the fact that we had now a paid service we had to feed we had to make music
0: if you're listening, search Bob Rivers, Twisted Radio, listen to the work these folks did. And, and Bob, you know, was really a legendary sort of leading yeah. voice, just so good and so uh, sharp and, and not uh, Bob didn't go blue. You guys didn't do, no. you know, <laughs> racy. I mean, you, you sort of would go <laughs> political, but
1: yeah, but know, but he, like there were PG, so many songs, PG, he,
0: 13, uh, he which he is never, hard. There were,
1: there was a handful of songs. He wouldn't let me ideas. He wouldn't ever let me do like scream or my girlfriend is a screamer. I mean, there yeah. was, there were, you know, there was, we, we, we never blew. We were never mean. We never made fun of people at, at the expense of somebody else. We're always very inclusive. Uh, and that was one of the things that made us. And that was out successful of Bob. Mortgage. That's what Bob that was. That wanted. was, that was Bob's mom. He said, mm. I don't want to make nothing. My mom would be embarrassed by Interesting. Plus it, plus it gave us the appeal to of both men and women. Most rock morning shows have an all all dudes.
0: Audience. Yeah, you. I, I would go to your events, and it was almost fifty fifty. I mean, it was and, and, you know obviously white twenty yeah. to forty. Yeah. You know, right. um, yeah. demo. But I yeah. remember a lot, a lot of women at your shows, uh, and that made us, that and would, that
1: made us more valuable to our employer, because instead of having just an all guy audience that you could only sell beer or cars to, we had uh, we had men and women in equal numbers in our audience. So our our station could sell our show to anybody, yeah. which made us more valuable. And yeah. Bob knew that. Bob, Bob, it wasn't just, you know, I didn't want my, my mom to be embarrassed. He also knew that the more valuable or the more, more sellable we were, the more valuable we were to our boss and the more money and more time we could get doing what we love doing.
0: Well, and also getting hired off air to host yeah. things and be yeah. spike on sports
1: and yeah. and endorse and products buy. and yeah, cars, I mean, furniture. I get there was a time in my life where my my windows in my house were paid for because I did commercials. My car was paid for because I did commercials. My heating right? HV system was because I did commercials. You name it. If, you know, if we were selling it, we were getting it for free. It was great. Carpet. Yet, you need carpet. Give me a carpet sponsor.
0: Uh, if you look at the people that I listened to for many years over my life, and I'll start here with Kevin and Bean. They were the closest to Bob Rivers' Twisted Radio, what you all did, because they did, they had, Kevin and Bean had a really big female audience. I, you know, I went to a yeah. couple of their events and, and met them, and and when we did King of Kong, we were on their show. So I sort of knew that show. But they would get pretty sophomoric, and after Bean left, um, it you know, it sort of went that way. But you guys, I- and then, of course, Stern is all dudes, and Nino Grismanelli could not, happened today and shouldn't happen today. Like it was (laughs) like really sophomoric bro culture, like beyond bro culture completely. Yeah. I don't think he exists today. Uh, but that's, I think, as I look back on what I, and you know, Jerry Seinfeld and what they did with that show, I think is similar that, you know, Jerry Seinfeld talks about, I I don't curse. I'm not, I don't do that in my life. So why would it be in my comedy? Um, and you guys really towed that line well. That in a way that
1: uh, I hadn't even really realized until we just started talking about that. That was really important to your success. It, it was. it just said it because it made us marketable, and though you know, I, and it it just opened up everybody to us as a potential audience member, a potential fan. Yeah. And that's it. And that was smart of Bob's part. You know? Yeah. And it's easy. It's easy to go blue, man. It's harder. To, it's harder to be. It is. It's harder to be entertaining and funny and engaging. That's that everybody can get. I mean, to, to Seinfeld's credit, he's a once-in-a-generation guy, too. And totally. he got it. Totally. And, you know, it's funny in this moment of, and you still
0: do podcasting, you still would take a radio job. Radio jobs still pay well in big markets. I mean, it's not like yeah. it couldn't happen, right? Um, right and right. you're a yeah. young guy and you're talented. One thing I, I, I've been really interested in this moment where everyone is saying, oh, it's canceled this. It's, you know, uh, Twitter, firestorms, all that. Yeah. When you take the perspective you took and the first job I had, well, well, I mean, you guys weren't paying me, but I was doing a lot of hours with you guys. So my first experience of how you do this job, talking to other you know people who you can't see necessarily for a long time, right. I did it for a lot of years and I'm doing it again now with this show is What, how do you want to approach that and working with you guys? And then when I got to, so I got out of the NFL last year with the Seahawks in 96, I started at CBS doing college football because I'd been doing some arena football on local TV and doing a bunch of radio. So I go right into the booth at CBS sports in 1996, we went through like six hours of sensitivity training about what, how to were, yeah. were on air, because at that point, CBS had had some horrific uh, racist and sexist comments by sports commentators specifically on air. And they very yeah. wisely were like, look, this can't happen. And so from the beginnings of my broadcast career to broad audiences, right, you were your signal in Seattle was picked up into Canada, probably all the way down to Portland. I mean, millions yeah. of people could get yeah. to you. Right. And when I called a game at CBS or ABC over the air broadcast, I had games with eight, nine, 10 million people watching real time. And what I learned early in my career was I have complete control of what I say. And when I say it, and I always have to think, should I say it this way? Should I say it that way? Should I not say it before I say it? And what this woman did in this sensitivity training that was really fantastic and I think Seattle is a good place for people to think of this because pr- I would assume when you first got to Seattle, you felt it a bit clicky and sort of hard to like wedge in and, you know, be the new guy. And, you know, that was sort of was a bit of my
1: experience. They call it the Seattle freeze.
0: There you go. That's that's exactly
1: the right. serious. That's what they call uh, it. When, yeah, when, yeah. Seattle is Seattle's a, a unique corner of the, of the country or the world even because the quality of life here is, is really great. Yeah. I and mean, it's really great. We got clean air, clean water, beautiful surroundings, mountains, forests, rivers. We got it all. Um and we don't want anybody coming here and screwing it up. Yeah. And that really is and then, and when I got here in the late 80s, they had already had this influx of rich Californians figuring it out, fleeing the California Bay Area and coming up here. Yep. And 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 yeah, and web
0: web 1.0 was a Seattle Valley or was a Seattle uh, thing. It was not a Silicon Valley. Right. Most uh, you know, if you were around Seattle, uh, if you were in Internet 898, 99, 2000, it was you wanted to be in Seattle for sure.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm I always joked that my wife was born and raised here, and I've been in Seattle over 30 years, and I'm almost a local now. I almost, know, I know. So well,
0: but, never quite. But but my point with this woman and the sensitivity training, and then we are all prejudiced we have to be for survival we're prejudiced to our mom over some other woman about her age when we're born mm-hmm. we're prejudiced to our school we're prejudiced to our friends meaning for survival you have to have one two three 50 people that you, they're they're safe they're the place you yeah. go where it becomes, insensitive then on to racist and hatred and all that is when you don't start to open up to other perspectives. And I think what this woman and this 1996, it was 1996 is sort of cutting edge was you're going to talk to millions of people. Your words matter. It's your choice. Be okay with the prejudice, but don't let it cross over that line and understand where you're coming from. And it was really groundbreaking for me. So in this moment, because I did it for so many years where I didn't curse on air, I did, you know, for hours and hours and hours of work, just like you, I have a filter now where when I hear comedians or announcers like, oh, in this moment, we can't say anything. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yes, you can
1: just say it differently.
0: <laughs> you
1: know? yeah, like, like you said, it's, it's easier to, it's easier to go base and go blue. Yeah. Anybody can, anybody can go with the first thought that crosses their mind. Usually it's not the best thought you're going to have. Yeah. Like you said, think about it. Always go for the second idea, you know? Yeah. How could I make that better? Don't just feel like you got to spit it out. How can I, I got I got a moment to say something. Like you said, I got a moment to say something. And something to say, but what's? How should I say this? Yeah. What's the, what's the way to make this valuable to the audience? Yeah. What you know? It's funny. I was I was talking about. Uh, let me sidetrack for just a second. Yeah. I was talking about a color guy for a football broadcast.
0: Uh, and let me just say that because a lot of people may come from not sports. A color guy is someone who calls a game and adds color to the broadcast. As- <laughs> right. Not, right. And please don't send your email <laughs> yeah, 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 to Michael yeah, O'Neill. A, no, no, no. no I just uh, I'll get that. Clear well, there's so a play-by-play play
1: guy who's the nuts and bolts yeah. guy. He tells you, you know, Jones carried the ball, five yards tackled by Smith and Wesson, whatever. But the color guy will tell you why Jones run, running style works. Yeah, you know, the expert, why the expert why, analyst. why that played why that play was better. And I was I was talking to somebody who's a fan of the Seahawks, who loves their broadcasts, but we were bemoaning how a, a color guy can really just talk to hear his own voice. And if you well, give him 58 well, seconds he'll talk for 57 and a half of it just to fill the space. And I have been that guy. Look, that was well, my job. Well, I that's, was that's,
0: ah, but, no, but, but I did 20 years, man, and there was so Well, okay, no, so you got 24. good. Then you got good. <laughs> yeah, but there and, and also um for fans of real deep fans of college football, I think I drove them nuts with how much I said and how much I talked. So I I
1: well, maybe I'm prejudiced because I'm prejudiced know love you. <laughs> but, but I always that, thought, well, I thought when you when you did color, you gave me information that made my viewing experience better, richer. I oh, knew thanks. more. I knew I knew why that play worked. I knew why this offense, this was not the right guy to try to run that offense. I knew because you gave me color to a football broadcast that enriched my experience. Like me, color enriches a, a, any show, right? Uh, it was well, better than black and white. And,
0: and a lot of that spike. And, and I appreciate that. I worked, you know, uh, a lot of hours refining my craft and I used to, I'll share this because, you know, it, a couple of things I did when I was working as a, as a broadcaster covering college football. One was at a really incredible agent, this guy, Lou Oppenheim. I, I feel like you may have met Lou along the way. I was with him for 20 years um, when I was broadcasting, but Lou, gave me feedback on every broadcast I did. Oh. He would watch at least an hour and sometimes an entire game. And he has lots of clients. I mean, he rep- represents Chris Berman and a lot of really big people in the business. So that was just huge. I had weekly calls. Monday morning, he'd call. We'd go through the notes. And when I, when I stopped broadcasting, I had a running list of lose notes and my own notes and my own feedback of reminders of things of of huh. you know make sure you give the 101 version so the first time listener understands what something is i mean and i would go through before a game and i would just read some of those off i was really diligent about uh how i presented the information and why and then the other the other one and and uh i'm using this game, talking about this guy a lot when i was hired for, by ESPN. So I'd been at ABC and then ESPN took over ABC sports. And then, you know, we weren't sure where we were going to land. And then I got hired, uh, luckily, you know, thankfully by ESPN. And there was a, my boss, there was Ed Placy and he was the coordinating producer for remote football, college football production, which is what I worked under most of the time. And he really challenged me. You know, he loved that. I was a doc filmmaker. I was doing other things. And he would really push me and say, well, what what in filmmaking and storytelling there can you bring to your broadcast? And I had, you know, these great producers um, and directors through the years. So it was a lot of years of of getting to that place of and and then in the moment, and I hear musicians talk about this a lot, and I'm sure you, you know, sort of know this from comedy. It's it's how can you say it's so short that then you leave the audience time to think about it and ponder it without other words? <laughs> yep. Right. And it took me a long time to get there, man. I used, I, I speak less now than I ever have, but it took me a long time to stop over talking.
1: (laughs) I'm not, Uh, I'm not all the way through that forest. I hear you. I hear you. But but, but, you know, Bob gave us that gift of, of doing radio early said, look, man, you know, if, if, if I ask a question, I don't want you to answer it. You know, sometimes I do, but sometimes Mm. I want to just leave it out there and let the audience come up with the answer in their Mm. head. That engages them. That means now they're part of this process too. Yeah, and then includes the audience, and then 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 we're not just a show; we're their show, and they're part of our show. So you know, let's go so back. Learned- the,
0: uh, no, I, I I the that level of engagements, and and I witnessed it. It it, it was really pure and great, and what an uh, you know it's it's a center point for a movie or a series in that era to be the you know intern on that show who's out at all the parties every night, right? There's probably a, yeah. a scripted uh, you know, version of what you guys had. And here's the beauty of what you all had is Bob Rivers is an unbelievable radio personality who wants to get off the air and go back to the woods to his home and record and farm and not go to parties and not right. host things all over town, which right. fell mostly to Spike O'Neill. Right. So you, during this time, are the, you know, you and I know Joe did some around town, but you were really sort of the face of like every night of the week you were here, you were there hosting this thing, doing that thing. What was the coolest thing you got to do during that era? What Drop some names.
1: Give us some behind Um, the scenes stuff. film Film videos for Pearl Jam or Alice in Chains. Be part of a crowd that did that. You know, that, so that doing kind of what? Stuff. What
0: did you do on well, those, no, those videos? Well,
1: well, just, you know, getting to lead a crowd. You know, when you, got a, when you got a bar full of grungers, full of long hair, sweaty people, you know, moshing all over each other, stage diving, crowd surfing, and you got to do it six, seven times in a row for the same song to get a video shoot. So, did you work on video shoots with these? Well, just, but just like, you know, emceeing the crowd ah i I was i wasn't like directing a video but no so but they were filming they were filming and you were you were the mc you'd be kind of in the the crowd you know you tell people what hey we're gonna do this a few times man i know you love these guys and they're gonna need you to act like it's the first time you ever heard it it's funny because at that point in time these were guys that lived in my neighborhood that i used to see in bars before the record company showed up and next thing you know these guys are like you know eventually going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where these guys are touring the world or these guys are all over MTV. You can't turn on MTV without seeing four, five, six songs in an hour. That's the guys you play softball with. The guys who jump off your deck at your apartment on Lower Queen Anne in Seattle into your your pool two stories below. You know, there's, you know, all the guys. <laughs> Is that real? Bands. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we, we would, yeah, because you were a single young guy, so you jumped yeah. right in. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, oh, we, we we had a bowling team. With these See, when guys I met once. you, you
0: were about to get married and you'd gone to the be home at midnight or one. Yeah. Well, uh, by no, that point. I, well,
1: uh, Melissa, my my lovely bride of 30 years now, she uh she mm-hmm. loved the fact that I could get in anywhere in town. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You guys um, were about town for a bit. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I you feel know, like I, mean, I didn't take advantage of that enough <laughs> with you guys. I think I was well, the nerdy you, one going home. You had early. to go win a
1: championship, dude. You had to go play in the NFL. You couldn't be coming up hungover. I could crawl <laughs> into work at 6 a.m. With, with not having gone to bed and still, f- still fluff it up for four hours. to I don't make know funny if I want to hear jokes. any more
0: stories I missed out on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in my life, doing all this stuff, I got to, as part of my radio career, you know, I got to travel and see the world. I've been on six different, five different continents I've never been to Australia and I've never been to Antarctica, but I've been on every other continent on earth because of my radio show. I get to broadcast live from Dublin, like for like half a dozen years. I, got to, I, I, did,
0: I, I went to Dublin for a football game for ESPN. It was amazing. We called Penn State, Central Florida yeah. in, in Dublin on one of their uh, rugby saves. It, it, awesome. it, yeah. it, it was awesome. Covering Cork Field, yeah. It was awesome. Such a cool uh, we got, job.
1: We got to broadcast from Dublin on St. Patrick's Day, courtesy of Jameson Irish Whiskey. And oh, that's we, right. Yeah. The first send year we went, they, they'd, fly, they'd, fly us, they'd fly us there for three days. The first year I went, right? Hmm. You'd fly in, uh, you'd, you'd tour around Dublin for a day and you'd broadcast on the last day and you'd fly out the next morning. But after the first time we did it, I talked to my boss and I talked to the people who did the promotion. I said, look, I want to go for a week and it won't and we'll cost you another penny. I said, I'll I'll put my. I used own to do that a lot. Bills. I used to do that a lot yeah. for
0: ESPN. I would just be like, I would, but, but I would go to a game. Early. I would go yeah. to a game, and then I would stay somewhere, and then fly to the next game the next week, and and yeah. sort just tour around. Yeah, I did that quite a bit. And I
1: told these guys, I said, look, so if I'm in town for a week, I can tell a much better story on St. Patrick's Day than if I've been in town for a day. <laughs> and, sure we would, and we would meet people all around the country They'd and say, got to come stuff. to Dublin on St. Pat's. And yeah. We, yeah. And I'd, have this, I'd have this like 85 year old little sheep farmer coming in from Galway. To talk to us for four, and this guy That's was just. That's I did. To
0: that. I'll share. I'll share with you because he's he's got Seattle connections. When we went and did the um, the game in Dublin, Kenny Maine was our special reporter. Oh, I love Kenny. I almost, yeah. I almost tore
1: his knee up. I almost tore his knee up once. How's that? We we're playing. We're we're playing flag football for the uh, the Crohn's Colitis Foundation. Yeah. One of the big big guys in town here is a guy named Chris Adams, who I love. He's Mike McCready's. Personal assistant he has been for twenty some years. I mean, you know, Chris is Chris was there for McCready when McCready was just finally making enough money to need an assistant. Okay, right. So Chris does this Crohn's Calitus flag football game every year at which is now Lumen Field, the Seahawks field here in Seattle. That's what and it's called. Not, yeah, Lumen. What you know, what is I, it's, what is Lumen? What is, Lumen is a internet carrier, of course. Which was which which CenturyLink was, ah. which you know Quest was, and now it's yeah. Lumen Field. Um, well, Kenny, yeah, Manes, you have stuff, to be Steph a McKagan, public Jeff, and yeah. man. All these guys come and play football, you know, play flag football yeah. on the field once for, for, for the benefit Crohn's colitis. And they sell a bunch of tickets. And it's like, you know, rock and jock kind of thing, you know, <laughs> and I'm and Kenny means is playing quarterback and I'm playing defensive line in a flag football <laughs> game. And I go chasing him down and he's backpedaling, trying to throw a pass. And I gave him a nice shove. The, as he as he unleashed the ball, he doing, doing dude. Settle down. Going, come on, he's going, you know, down, I got what Settle down, but he he got up with a bum knee, and he gave me a look like he was. Oh, if he could. Yeah, me, of course. You don't do that. Everybody was doing <laughs> that. Come on, everybody was playing way over there. We were all frustrated. Not not all of us got to go playing the rose bowl, Ed. Some of us had to have our glory when we could get it. Yeah,
0: right? but don't take it out on Kenny Main. He, he did not crush your shouldn't dreams he, he of being a bummer. I didn't bring for a bummer. The come on, man. <laughs>
1: kenny well, anyway, to point kenny's great kenny's yeah. a great guy but uh, yeah brilliantly talented funny as hell yeah,
0: yeah. he really is he is yeah, yeah. I well, feel, I
1: felt bad when he heard his knee. i felt terrible yeah, you should you should have sent him I a know. handwritten note saying you're sorry
0: I'll, you know what i actually have a cell phone i'm gonna text him oh yeah and <laughs> tom's well,
1: really sorry. I'm sorry yeah
0: well i you know as i've as i've put together people i'm talking to for this thing and it's going to grow and morph and not just be my rolodex but I, I really want to start with people close to me and say thank you um to a lot of folks but you specifically spike you've been a oh, good yeah. friend and you know we, we have a, a really trustworthy lasting relationship uh but you know it was that early let's go do rock and roses yeah at that yeah. time in my life That, uh, man, that was, that was just, uh, like I said, the top of theme is right place, right time. What are you going to do? And, and man, you and I, and the team I played on, we all knocked it out of a, out of the park there for like a three or four year. We really was center of
1: the universe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then from my perspective, you know, here's this guy I meet who's playing for the Huskies and he's just a a great, I mean, he's a great guy. He's smart. He's funny. My wife thinks he's adorable. Right, um, and he's got game. And next thing you know, I got a buddy who's playing in the NFL. So you bet your ass, I'm going to fly down to Phoenix and watch Ed play. And you bet I am, absolutely.
0: Yeah. You yeah, bet I am. Fun. You
1: know, and you know, and it's just, and as as you've grown as a as a professional, and, and next next thing you know, I got a friend. Hey, I got a friend's making Oscar winning films. How about that? Huh? You know, yeah, that my, my, that my daughter. <laughs> my daughter was doing this. So my, my, I got two daughters. They're 32 and 17 now. My little one is doing this scavenger hunt this national scavenger hunt thing, right? And it's like some really weird stuff, but it's 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 open to the to the entire country. One of them is get somebody to shove an Oscar up their nose. Oh, said, no.
0: Said, that's that don't do that. that. I said to her, I
1: know a guy with an Oscar.
0: I know, but I I'm not giving it. up <laughs> an, I'm not getting one of ours from under from the films to have it up something. No. But no, just no, the no. fact
1: that I, put, I I would never ask you to do that first off. Uh, yeah, yeah. Set some boundaries. But I knew a guy who had an Oscar. So I'll She's give like, you... A, doesn't Ed have an Oscar?
0: Said, Ed, Ed well, an Oscar? well, no, technically I don't, because they give it to directors and then the film oh, okay, producer, okay. Uh, on this one. <laughs> guy. But I'll give you a quick uh, Oscar story. Um, afterwards, we're out and about, and there's this place called the Sky Bar in... Uh, I don't even know if it's still there, but it was sort of the big to-do thing. And I can't remember what some big magazine was hosting their party there. So we're running around and uh, there was three of them. So the d- two directors got one and then uh, the producer got one. So uh, Dan Martin uh, or TJ Martin, Dan Lindsay and Rich Middlemoss. Those are the, the, the guy, yeah. uh, the, yeah, the trophy holders for our film, but yeah. we're all running around having a good time and sharing whatever. And we're all sitting at the table and they're big and they're heavy and everyone talks how big and heavy they are. And we realized there's only two Oscars on our table, not three. And no one knows where the third one is. And it took an hour, an hour, because it's a huge place with hundreds of people there. And these two girls had taken a picture with one of the guys saying, "Let's whatever." And they walked away innocently. They were not stealing it. They're just walking around taking pictures with it. And it ended up on the other side of this gigantic place. Holy crap! Probably a thousand people <laughs> before we found
1: it. Oh, um, I'm glad you found it. I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad those they hard had hard and hearts. throat moments. Yeah, so. Will buy a replacement will they yeah well they will
0: yeah they they have a process you got to go through <laughs> okay. it but yeah so well spike thanks again man we've got a lot to do uh we'll talk again i'm sure and thanks for helping i'm i'm getting back in the game and it's fun to start uh, talking to people i know well, that uh i started with to get this going the game's, again the game's better with you in it Thanks, Spike. Great to reconnect after a few years of being out of touch. If you'd like to know more about Spike's present day, he's the lead singer of a band called Spike and the Impalers. You heard the story of how he became a singer. You can find them at Facebook at Spike and the Impalers. And he's back on with his old boss, Bob Rivers, on the podcast Bob and Zip. You can find that wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're into spoof songs, which I know is an in or out for most people, and you heard the story about twisted tunes and your ears perked a little bit, You can check all the songs out, including some of their holiday favorites, at bobrivers.com. Resources for this episode, per usual, Wikipedia is always open on a tab on my computer. Thank you, Wikipedia. I've made a donation on behalf of the show and will continue to do so as we produce episodes. It pushed me through to a nice interview on odyssey.com by Tarrant Daly who spoke with Spike about his career at KISW, celebrating 50 years of KISW in Seattle. Let's Huddle with Ed Cunningham is a production of True Stories Incorporated. This episode was produced by me and edited by Ryan Lindsay. The Believe team on the Let's Huddle beat, Alex Disopolis, the producer, Carter, audio engineering, Cam Rogers and Connor Haynes helping out on marketing, and Cam can be found as a co-host on Golf Bets on Us, a podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, and the chief executive of Believe, Ron Huesenstam. Thanks, Bron. Well, we appreciate you listening. Leave us a review if you'd like. You can also follow us on Twitter at Let's Huddle With, Facebook, the page is Let's Huddle with Ed Cunningham, and Instagram, let's underscore huddle underscore with underscore ed. The webpage can be found at believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. Search up Let's Huddle to get to our show. Please reach out, let us know what you think, any corrections, any suggestions, and do so patiently. We're just getting started and we'll try to connect as much as we can. Thanks again.